0: You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is, once again, your editor at CatholicExchange.com, Michael Litchens. And today I'm very proud to have Dr. Kevin Vos with us once again. You might remember him when we talked about the seven deadly sins. We're talking about something a little more pleasant, the Dominican Order. And this goes with his new book, Hounds of the Lord, which is now available from Sophia Institute Press. So, Dr. Vos, welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast.
1: Thanks for having me on again today, Michael.
0: Oh, it's our pleasure. First, talk about your book. Uh, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about the Dominican Order and what made you want to write such a big book about them?
1: Sure. There, there's a few main reasons I have a special interest in and in love of the Dominican Order. Uh, I was raised Catholic and went to a grade school taught by Dominican sisters mm-hmm. all through eighth grade, so I got a great, great love for what they do and helped me uh, you know, grow and love the church. But actually, in my later teens, I had nothing to do with Dominicans, but I was pulled from the faith by the writings of atheistic philosophers, huh. stayed there for about 25 years, from about the age of 18 to 43, and what pulled me back in my early 40s were the writings of another great Dominican, St. Thomas Aquinas. Huh. I read his amazing Summa Theologiae firsthand for the first time and restored my faith, showed me all those arguments that the atheists uh, had been answered hundreds of years ago by By him and and by church fathers who came before him. So great love, personal love there for the Dominicans in the early formation in my life. And then that great Dominican saint pulling me back to the faith in my 40s.
0: Yeah, Thomas Aquinas is a dangerous reading if you want to remain an atheist, I find, but for sure. And so you read the whole Summa in your, I mean, even at your early 40s, you read the whole Summa?
1: Well, at first it wasn't the whole, you know, my background. Yeah, my background training had been as a clinical psychologist. Mm Mm-hmm. So really, I dug more deeply at first into the second part of the Summa, where he talks about the virtues and human nature, what it means to be happy, you know, uh, what it means to be a person with passions and emotions, what role can reason play. And I was amazed at what a profound psychologist he was. Yes. You know, I figured that St. Thomas understood, you know, human nature much greater than any of the profound modern psychologists that I'd studied, actually. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then later, though, it opened me up, you know, to reading the parts of this first part of the Summa where he's talking about God, you know, his proofs for the existence of God. And even that, even before that, uh, a little bit later in that book, he talks about God's attributes. And I started reading that, you know, what does it mean to say God is eternal? What does it mean to say God is all knowing and all powerful? And that really opened up my mind and and threw off some of the blinders I picked up from the atheists that then made me, you know, receptive to his arguments to see, oh my gosh, he really has demonstrated God's existence. It's not contradictory you know, uh, are unreasonable to believe
0: in God. No, not at all, and uh, even beyond St. Thomas, of course, this book, you start right with the very founder of the order, St. Dominic de Guzman, who, I have a special love for the Dominican order, because they that order actually brought me into the Catholic Church, so
1: uh-huh. I'm a
0: great fan of the Dominicans, always have been, and I owe a great deal of love to them, and they've been on, several Dominican priests have been on this show. Uh, the last one was Father Moser, who's a Dominican priest in Portland, Oregon, so we're all about the Dominican Order here at Catholic Exchange. You started with St. Dominic. Can you tell us a little bit about St. Dominic? Sure. You know, St.
1: Dominic was the founder of the Order. And I'll just backtrack mm. a little bit by saying yeah. later in my life, I had the pleasure to be involved with the, the Nashville Dominicans, the Congregation yes. of St. Cecilia. And a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, they invited me to do a talk to their Aquinas College faculty retreat. Uh, one of the sisters knew I wrote a book about St. Albert the Great, who St. Thomas's teacher. And they asked me to talk about, on All Saints Day, on St. Dominic himself, so I was really honored, but also kind of wild because I was no great expert on Dominic. <laughs> uh, but to prepare for that talk, you know, I did lots of cramming, lots of reading. Yes. And, I, and I really came to love this great Saint Dominic, just, a, just, just an amazing uh, saint. There was a great Catholic psychologist, uh Frenchman, Henry Jolie, who wrote a book called The Psychology of the Saints. And I remember one line there. He talked about like two classes of saints. He said some are known for their tender, loving care and charity. Others are known for their just apostolic zeal for propaganda for spreading the faith And the examples he gave for that tender love was St. Francis and for that apostolic zeal was St. Dominic. You know, Dominic called his order, the order of preachers, it was all about spreading that message of Christ. So just to put St. Dominic in a nutshell, you know, he lived from approximately 1170 to to 1221 AD and he was a founder of that great Dominican order. It it started in uh, uh, 1216. So we're getting ready to celebrate the 800th year Jubilee next year, actually. So St. Dominic uh, was uh, religious. He was a canon. He was of the order of St. Augustine attached to a cathedral. And there was a great call at that time in the early 12th century for more preaching. Uh, there was not a lot of preaching going on. Bishops were usually the only ones preaching. They weren't preaching that often. And Dominic wanted to, to carry the faith you know, out to the people Because different heresies were arising that tried to fill that need by preaching to the lay people, but they often brought in with it, you know, some beliefs that were contrary to the Catholic Church. So Dominic filled this wonderful need to found this order of religious that wouldn't be monks, you know, stationary in one spot, but who would be traveling preachers like Christ. And he did this around the same time that his friend St. Francis was establishing the Franciscans. So we had these wonderful twin orders going around and preaching the good news. And St. Dominic then was this very zealous founder of that Dominican order.
0: Yes, and as you said, they're about to—actually, they are celebrating their 800th jubilee this year. Uh, What is the charism that has really made the Dominicans like such an amazing order that's carried on for 800 years? Even today, we see them everywhere.
1: Yeah, you know, of course, they call themselves the order of preachers, so they're known for that Mm -hmm. zeal for spreading the gospel. Also, one of their special charisms is— One of their earliest mottos was just veritas or truth. So they really thought that to spread the news and especially to to combat heresies, the preachers need to know the faith. They need to know the scripture. They need to know the church teaching. So they had this special care for study and knowledge, Mm -hmm. which appealed to people. You want to be able to speak to them and, and address their concerns. This also led also to secular knowledge. To reach out to the people in the world, it's important to learn science and philosophy. So you can also address those worldly issues. So that's, that's part of that. Great zeal for preaching, but also founded on the need for study and prayer and learning.
0: When I look at the list of the great Dominican saints that you cover here, obviously you say these are the Dominicans everyone should know. There's one saint in here I think most people understand, and that's St. Catherine of Siena. Can you tell us a little bit about her and why her example is even today still so powerful?
1: Yeah, I think St. Catherine of Siena is very fascinating to me, She's one of the three uh, Dominican doctors of the church, officially mm-hmm. proclaimed as, as special doctors or teachers. Uh, the other two are St. Albert the Great and St. Thomas. And those two make a lot of sense. St. Albert was like the original German professor who knew virtually everything. And St. Thomas was the brightest of all his people, but one of the greatest minds in all of human history. They were both professors at the university in Paris and other places. But now St. Catherine of Siena, our third doctor, is such a contrast. She was the, the poor daughter of a uh, dyer, a person who dyed uh, garments for in clothing in, in Italy. And she was really basically had very little formal education at all. She was illiterate until her 20s. And yet through special grace of God, she did uh, acquire the capacity to read. and she became a profound mystic. She uh, composed a book called uh, The Dialogues, which are basically her mystical conversations with, with God and with Christ. And they had a profound influence on the church ever since then, ever since they were written in the 1300s. So she's interesting because she's a person who can teach us things of great depth, and yet she didn't come from the background of being a worldly scholar. It was very much a grace from God.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think uh, where she is also known is that, if, and correct me if I'm absolutely off base here, but she is responsible partially for ending the Western Schism, if I recall, right?
1: Yes, yeah, so she's one of the things. She brought the popes back to to Rome. Mm -hmm. Many years, decades, they've been in Avignon, France, over a conflict there. She is influential in bringing the Pope's papacy back to Rome there. So one of the themes I use of this book, I I look at the Dominicans as what I call thinkers, doers, and lovers. Yes, Some are most known for their thinking, some for their great deeds they did, like Dominic. And Catherine came under the grouping of of, uh, thinkers because she's one of the doctors of the church. But she was also this amazing doer. Again, this poor, uneducated woman who influences Pope's. You know, she, she wrote to the Pope. She wrote to great bishops and secular leaders and people listened to her. I mean, so powerful was, was her own witness and her own holiness. She's also just an incredibly fervent lover. She tended to the, to the sick and hospitals, the sick and dying. And there was even one case where a woman was dying of cancer and she was emitting such a foul uh, odor that people wouldn't go around her. Catherine said that she took that as God's sign that this woman must be meant for her. So she Mm. sought her out and gave her special care and attention. So so Catherine was just such a a full embodiment of a saint who thinks and does and and loves each person one-on-one.
0: Indeed. And of all this, I'm amazed. Like if I was asked to write a book about the Dominicans, I would have trouble picking them. And so you picked them based on the thinkers, the doers, and the lovers. Uh, Is that really why you were able to narrow down the list so well?
1: That that helps somewhat because it gave me the idea that I knew we had three Dominican doctors of the church. Yes. Now now interestingly, we also talk about these three intellectual virtues of science, understanding, and wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I kind of think they paired up perfectly. St. Albert is the uh State of Scientist. St. Thomas Aquinas, the greatest philosopher, philosopher is love of wisdom. And Saint Catherine had this understanding. Understanding is said to penetrate to the heart of things. And in one of her mystical experiences, she actually received the heart of, of Christ himself. But but this framework, yeah, it helped me narrow them down to do three for each section, but also to relieve some of that stress. Because I mean I was getting advice from people at Sophia Institute Press. Well, we want to have Fra Angelico in there. The sisters in, in Nashville told me that too, the great artist. Yes. And other people said, you know, say uh, you know, for several other names they gave to me. So we also included this feature the quote, more Hounds of the Lord boxes. At the end of each chapter, we were able to work in nine more mini-biographies of a page or two <laughs> to get a taste. Of some of these other great Dominicans, because there are literally hundreds of them, and they're all fascinating, and we can learn from all of them.
0: Yes, we can. And uh, something I appreciated was that you not only brought all these great ancient Dominicans, you brought someone that not many people are aware is actually Dominican, but you talked about one of my favorite saints, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, who great man of God in the 20th century, and the fact that we have colored photos of the man is amazing, but can you tell us a little bit about him and why you chose him for the book?
1: Sure. Part of the reason is with Blessed uh, Pier Giorgio Fassati, uh, he died in 1926, uh, uh, okay? mm-hmm. so he did live in the 19th century. He was a third-order Dominican. Yes. Yeah, I think he was only I think he's 24, 24, 25 years old. So he never, he died at the end of college. He prepared all this time uh, to be a scientist, to work with uh, uh, a mining scientist, to work under the mountains and improve the labor conditions of the miners and so forth. And right before he graduated, he, he died. Part of the reason he died was he had great compassion for the poor. He worked at the St. Vincent de Paul Society and other groups and go out and care for them. And he uh, contracted a polio probably mm-hmm. from that work with the poor. So he, he lay dying in his early 20s, the same time his aged grandmother was dying. And the family, they're both in the same house down the hall. His family thought that uh, Pierre Giorgio's disease was probably just something fleeting. He'd get back up on his feet in a few days. And then to their dismay, a few days after the grandmother died, they found out that he was paralyzed with this rare form of polio. There was no vaccine available in Italy. The, the closest dose was in France. And they believed it, he, he was too far gone even for that dose to work. So he died as a very young man, You know, partly because he gave all he had for the poor. But he's a great model for young people because he was a vibrant person. I mean, he he loved to climb mountains. He loved his academic studies. He had a great network of friends. We have a lot of their letters They joke back and forth. Uh, so just a very wonderful model for young people in our day.
0: And flipping through this, uh, I did also note that you bring in two Dominican saints who are part of The New World, uh, St. Martin de Poros and St. Rose of Lima. Can you tell us a little bit about those two and what they can teach us?
1: Sure. Those are two saints, you know, of the New World. Mm -hmm. Uh, They actually both were Lima, Peru. They lived around the same time. St. Martin de Poros was a little bit uh, like, I think, seven or eight years older. And and Martin de Porras was fascinating to me. About a year after I did that talk on Dominic, I was asked to go to another school and give a talk. It was going to be on November 3rd. So that was the feast of St. Martin de Poros. So they asked me to do a talk on him. So I really got to dig in. and was very, very fascinated by my own inclination. I consider myself one of those thinkers. So I was always drawn to people like St. Albert and St. Thomas. And and Martin was was a brother. Uh, He's often depicted, you know, not with these great books, but with a broomstick. Uh, He was a brother to Dominican monastery there. He would do things like sweep the floors. He's also the patron saint of barbers because he was trained as a young man to cut hair. Uh, but but the barbers in those days also were kind of did the work of a doctor and a pharmacist mm-hmm. and a dentist, too. So he really had some skills. But one of the fascinating things about uh, St. Martin, of course, it speaks to our day, too, is that he was of mixed race. His father was Spanish. His mother was a freed African slave. So he was at, uh, what they called a mulatto at the time, a you know, person of mixed race. And he was often looked down upon because they often called a mulatto dog is what people often refer to him oh. as. And it's a very interesting lesson in humility because he was often called this and people said that, you know, he didn't lash back. He didn't even just shrug it off. He said, when people come and say, you know, Martin, they called you a mulatto dog. He would say, well, they know me. They know what kind of man. And they know I'm a sinner. He goes, they really know how I am. It says sometimes he would find that a person treated him that way. He would actually go out and seek them out and try to do a kind act for that person. So really an amazing person, showing humility, showing how he could take slights against himself and even turn it into acts of charity. They would often, you know, changed the hearts of those who had mistreated him. So he's a fascinating saint that showed us how, you know, we can make a difference, how we can be lovers, regardless of how menial the job that we have. Because he purposely chose the life of, first, what they called a donato, a person who just donates his life to the to the monastery. It wasn't even until later that he became a brother. He never became a priest. But he just had a tremendous impact on all those around him and on the entire uh, nation of Peru.
0: Mm-hmm. And what about uh, St. Rose of Lima?
1: St. Rose of Lima was a younger contemporary of St. Martin. She was another person I classed as the lover because she didn't really found any great movements. She didn't write great works. But her whole life, she purposely took on penances and suffering uh, and also did great deeds to help uh, the poor and the sick. So that she became one of the patron saints of Peru mm-hmm. and of the Philippines. And it's interesting, the modern Philippines, I mean, I'm sorry, the modern uh, Peruvians so honor her. See, we honor her the same way they honor her the same way Americans honor Benjamin Franklin. In wow. that, her face is on the highest denomination of their, their uh, money that's in, in circulation, Their 200-piece uh, note there. So she's so honored among the people there. But she herself was poor and cared very little about money. She is most focused on caring for the poor. But again, she's probably most known for the great penances that she willingly took on. For example, she had prayed in this little garden outside of her house, and sometimes— Uh, She would actually make a cross and carry it around as Christ had carried uh, his own cross, so she could constantly Mm -hmm. remind herself of the sufferings that Christ took on uh, for us.
0: Very nice. And something, what I really loved about your book more than anything, obviously, as I said, I love the Dominican Order, so I'm always excited to learn more about them and see different perspectives, but you actually go far deeper than a lot of other authors do. And you talk about how these are not just people to admire, but they show us how to Live, you talk about the different Dominican boxes we have in there and also the last chapters. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to want to write that way and bring these Dominicans
1: home to us? Sure, sure. It's one thing you know why I love the saints is that so many of them can speak to us because in some we see similarities there. Yes. That person's a, a doer who gets out to get things done. Maybe that's like me or, or that person loves study and knowledge. Well, I'm like that. So for those saints who are like us, they can inspire us to do the same. And for the saints who are very different, we might think, well, that's like a a weakness in my life. What am I really doing? Am I doing anything to help the poor? Can I learn something there from St. Martin de Porras or Pierre Giorgio? Can I go out and do some small thing? Like in my own town, Mm -hmm. for example, we have a St. Martin de Porras center that does take care of the poor. So I think these different characteristics of the saints, they can inspire us when we see that we're like them in some ways to, to build ourselves up even more like that. And they can also then, the ones who are not like us, we can say, man, I admire that. Is there something I can learn that can also move me in that direction to a fuller expression of what it means to follow Christ with with all that we are?
0: And, yeah, that's something you definitely see within these saints. Uh, When you were researching this book and putting it together, was there any saint that really surprised you while you were researching them that made you go, wow, I had no idea?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. There were some aha moments with all of them, but I would say Mm – Probably in some ways the one that really surprised me most was was the Saint Martin de Porres.
0: Okay. You
1: know because he was one that I didn't know. I'm not sure what we would have had in common. You know he was <laughs> from Peru he was from mixed race he was not known for his particular academic interest. But the more I came into his story the more I grew to to love it. I mean there's just lessons there, uh for all of us. And I might mention too the, the title The Hounds of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know it comes from the Dominican name Domini means of the Lord and Canis is a word for dog like like canine. So in the medieval times, people would tease them, calling them the dogs of God or the hounds of the Lord. And they also played upon it themselves. And my opening theme, if I can just read it, there's a quote from St. Albert the Great. He said, uh, he's commenting on Luke's gospel of the story of Lazarus and the rich man. Mm -hmm. And they, they mentioned dogs coming and licking the poor Lazarus's wounds. And Albert says this, the roving dogs are the order of preachers who do not wait at their homes for the poor, but go out to them and lick the ulcers of their sins, having in their mouths the bark of preaching. So some of those, he's not the only one, some of those Dominicans that played up on that theme, said, yeah, we are the dogs of God. He uses to go out, roam in the world, and bring people a home to Christ.
0: Exactly, and if I remember correctly, wasn't there also a vision of Dominic as kind of the where they also get their symbol of a hound carrying the light, if I recall?
1: Exactly. In fact, if you see a statue of Dominic, I'm looking at one right now on my desk. Yes. Uh, often next to him is a, is a dog with a torch in its mouth because his mother, uh, Blessed Jane, had a vision before his birth that she gave birth to a dog. And the dog came out, had a torch in its mouth, and lit up the world. So it's kind of symbolic for the way that St. Dominic and his orders went throughout the world spreading the light of Christ. So just amazing how that, how that uh, ties in with that theme of the Dominicans as the hounds of the Lord.
0: Right. I remember. Finding that out. And part of me was excited to hear that about St. Dominic. Uh, Part of me was also disappointed. I'm like, oh, he's not the patron saint of dog lovers? Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess in a way he should be. (laughs) Maybe along with St. Bernard, he's more known with that particular grand breed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And we're just uh, wrapping up a little bit here, but uh, tell folks, if you can, where we can learn more about you and your book and where they can pick it up.
1: Sure. You know, the book is, is one of the many I've been blessed to do with uh, Sophia Institute mm-hmm. Press. So you can go to their their website to, to get the book itself. My own website is drvost.com. That's just D-R-V-O-S-T dot com. I don't sell the books myself there, but you can go to, to learn about that book and my other Sophia books and, and other books I've been blessed to be able to write.
0: Absolutely. And we'll put all those links up at catholicexchange.com with our show notes. Uh, Kevin also has a series that we'll be publishing along with this podcast about the Dominican hearts. So come to catholicexchange.com. You can learn more about it. Uh, Dr. Vos, it's been uh, an absolute pleasure learning more about you, your books. It's always great to have you on here. And thank you so much for enlightening us about the Dominicans.
1: You're most welcome, Michael. It's always my pleasure as well. Look forward to talking to you again sometime.
0: Absolutely. For all of you listening, catholicexchange.com is where you can learn more. God love you. Have a wonderful week.